O God of light, by the power of your Holy Spirit, restore our sight so that in these words of Scripture and sermon, we may see the living Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, today's reading from the 20th, the first 20 verses of Acts 9 presents one of a series of conversion stories or accounts, but this one is the most dramatic, and this is the one that will have the greatest impact on the New Testament, on the church, and for that matter, on history. Listen now for the word of God. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying, and he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how he, much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
O Lord, may our thoughts and may my words be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How many testimonies have you heard? How many faith statements have you read? Well, I'm sure I have heard and read thousands at every single presbytery meeting. Any minister seeking to join the presbytery presents a statement of faith. And you know that I serve on our presbytery's committee that shepherds people on their journey to becoming ordained ministers. Well, almost every time a person comes before that preparation for ministry committee, they present a faith statement. And when I served on the session at the church in Raleigh, everyone becoming a deacon or elder would have to stand up and talk about their faith journey in front of 40 or 50 other people. And of course, growing up, I heard many, many personal testimonies. And you have too. But never, never, ever have we heard a story quite like Paul's Damascus Road experience? Well, maybe I heard one. At Duke Divinity School, there's a professor who was led to Christianity by a strange dream. She was raised in, in the Reformed Jewish tradition. Her mother was a lapsed Baptist, and her father was Reformed Jewish, and then she converted to Orthodox Judaism. Well, while in college, she had a dream in which she and other women, some of whom she knew and some not, well, let me quote her. We were kidnapped by a group of mermaids. We were taken to live underwater with them, and after about a year, this group of men came to rescue us. Most of the men were 50-something and silver-haired, but there was one beautiful Daniel Day-Lewis, like 30-year-old man, and I knew he had come to rescue me, and that while he was there, he would participate in the collective rescue effort, but he came to rescue me. Well, for Lauren Winter, that strange dream turned into her Damascus Road moment. Well, there's a lot more to the story. There's also a book by the North Carolina writer about the Mitford stories, and uh, I'll post a link to that on our Facebook page if you want to read more about the mermaid dream. Well, for many of us, our coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior was not nearly so dramatic or strange. Many of you like grew up in the church and grew into the faith like I did. Others came to faith in a very slow, gradual way. In fact, so many people are so humble about the way they came to faith that there's a retired preacher, the former minister at the First Presbyterian Church in Durham named Joe Harvard. He came up with a name for that kind of humility. He called it faith inferiority complex. <laughs> and I've met a lot of people that had that. But the Christian faith is not a drama contest. It's not about how good a story you have to tell. It's, it's about how good a savior we have. How you come to faith is less important 
than what your faith does to your life. For the Apostle Paul, his Damascus Road experience and his time in Damascus with Ananias transformed him from a person who harassed and persecuted Christians to a Christian preacher and missionary and theologian whose letters make up a big chunk, about a third or so of the, of the New Testament. Most people think Paul's transformation was the most dramatic part of the ninth chapter of Acts. But don't forget, there's another vision we read about there, the one where God told Ananias, get up and go to the street called Straight. I looked it up. That street called Straight has a different name now, but it's still in Damascus, runs east-west. And I looked up how far it would be to go from Jerusalem to Damascus, which is, of course, you know, is the, Syri is the capital of Syria. It's a dangerous place to go. In fact, you can't go the hundred and something miles from straight as the crow flies. You'd have to go through down and around. You'd have to go around your elbow to get to your thumb, as they say. You'd have to go more like a thousand and something miles to get there now through seven different countries because of all the tensions between the countries there. Well, he said, go to that street called Straight, the house of Judas, where I'd look for a man named Saul, who's seen a vision. Now, don't you know, Ananias had to be stunned, not surprised, stunned. Or as Jerry Lee Lewis used to say, oh, shook up. The current equivalent would be for one of us to be called by God to go minister to one of those hooded men of ISIS standing on the beach with a sword or, or to one of those bombers in Brussels. What would you or I do if we were called to go talk to someone like that? Well, Ananias went and entered the house and laid his hands on Saul and called him brother. Ananias had remarkable, remarkable faith. Well, the New Testament does not tell us any more about Ananias than this one event. But it's one event that changed the church and changed the world. We think of Paul's Damascus Road experience of the risen Christ as a conversion. But it was really more of a call. A call to learn from brave Ananias. A call to spread the good news of God's saving love and amazing grace. In fact, the Greek word that Paul used most often to characterize his, and for that matter, our summons to God, literally means call. Now, some may have more dramatic calls, and many of us are more what I call off-road disciples. But we're all summoned to God. We're all called to Spread the good news, the good news of God's saving love and amazing grace. Thanks be to God. I charge you to remember this above all else. No matter how frightening this world may become, no matter how frightening your life may be, today or tomorrow, you don't need to be afraid, for God goes with you. 
God goes beside you to be your best friend. God goes behind you to protect you. God goes beneath you to strengthen you. God goes within you to comfort you. And God goes above you to give you vision and to give you hope. Thanks be to God.